0: You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au Romans chapter 5
1: Faith brings joy Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners.
0: This is gonna sound a bit funny, but um, it wasn't until my second year of Bible college. Uh, by that stage, I had been a Christian for about eight years and uh, I was you know, really involved in the church. Uh, I'd led Bible study groups and had left my career as an architect to study at Bible college to potentially train. as a a full-time minister of of the Word. It wasn't until my second year, eight years as a Christian, that I realised that God loved me. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, like, you know how little kids say, oh, you know, God loves us, you know? And you're like, yeah, God loves us, that's nice. But it wasn't until eight years in my walk with Christ that I actually realised that God loved me. You see... I'll tell you what I did know. Like, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that in my natural inclination, my tendency was to do things that were displeasing to God. I also knew that uh, the only way that I could be reconciled with God was through what Jesus Christ had done for me and everyone on the cross, that Jesus cried. Jesus Christ had paid for the cost of my wrongdoing on the cross. And I believed that, so I had trust and I had faith in Jesus Christ. But what I didn't know was that God loved me. So if someone was to ask me, um, why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? I would have said something like, to pay the cost for our sins and if someone pushed me and said yeah but like why did he really need to do that I probably would have said well that was the only way like there was no other way that our sins could that, that we could be reconciled with God and our sins be dealt with in an appropriate way and if someone really pushed me and said yeah but why I wouldn't have known what to say. What what I wouldn't have said which is probably the first thing that you should say, is that because God loves me. God loves me. And God loves you. Like God really loves you. Like in the way that a parent loves a child, uh, in a way that You know, a a husband and a wife love each other. God loves you even more than that. And that's... and, And this is not just any God. This is the God, the living God, the God who made heaven and earth who made everything the God who knows everything, the God who can do anything, the God who is all good, the God who is all loving, the real and living God loves us all, really. Amen. And I didn't realise that for a long time. Because I think that, like, this may not be true of your experience, but it was probably true of my experience. As evangelical Christians, um, I think we're really good at the head knowledge stuff. You know, we're really good at studying the Bible. We're really good at making sure we understand things properly. Uh, You know, we place a lot of emphasis on, you know, making sure everything's clear in your mind and that everything gets communicated clearly. But sometimes what we forget, or at least this is what I experience, sometimes what we forget is like the heart stuff, you know, that... You know that, that God really loves us, um, and so that's that's what the that's what the topic of our sermon is is today, and what Paul deals with in this passage of Romans from chapter five verses one to eleven. The big the big idea that we get is our greatest peace and rejoicing comes from being reconciled with God. ...through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So... ...over the past uh, few chapters, Paul has been explaining this whole idea about justification by faith, yeah? So he's, expli- he's explaining to the Roman church that it's got nothing to do with what you do, right? The way in which you can be reconciled with God, the way in which you can be justified for your wrongdoing, is because of what Jesus has done for you. So all you can do is have faith in Jesus, right? You can't do anything good, you can't earn your relationship with God, you can't earn your salvation, yeah? It's it's Jesus who has done that for you and what you have to do is have faith in Him. And so this is what we call justification by faith or the doctrine of justification, right? And that sounds like really technical and head knowledge, right? But the doctrine of justification is actually about... It's got to do with our hearts. This justification by faith, this doctrine of justification is all about God's love for us, yeah? And this doctrine of justification you know, as technical and as, you know, sophisticated as that sounds, that's something for great rejoicing. That gives us great rejoicing. We can be so happy and have peace with God because of, because of God's love for us that he has shown through what Jesus has done for us. So that's what we're going to be studying today. And there are three, there are three main points that we're going to draw out of this. Passage. The first is the peace and rejoicing that we have through hope in suffering, the peace and rejoicing that we have in God's love, and the peace and rejoicing that we have through being saved from God's wrath. So let's look at the first point now, which is peace and rejoicing through hope in suffering. This is what... um, This is what the... uh, Apostle Paul writes, Let's just get the right page. There we go. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Now I want to just, I want to like hone in on one part of that and it's this bit where Paul says not only so but we also rejoice in our sufferings and then he goes on to list different fruits that we have through suffering, perseverance, character but then he talks about hope so rejoicing in our suffering because suffering produces hope Just, just get that your heads around that for a second. Rejoicing in our sufferings, because sufferings produces hope. I want you to think about a time when you were suffering. Just, just think about a time when you were suffering. Did you have hope at that time? Is that a hopeful time or not really? Not really, yeah. So, what's this hope that Paul's talking about that we have in suffering? What's what's that all about? Well, let's let, let me explain it to you this way. Sometimes in life we have these experiences where everything is like awesome. It's like that, that Lego song from the Lego, everything is awesome. You know, like, you know, everything's awesome. Like, you know, you're just happy, you're satisfied with what's going on in your life, your work, your relationships, you're at peace with God, you're at peace with yourself, and everything is just totally awesome. And that's like the hilltop, the mountaintop experience of life. Yeah, that's like standing on the mountain. And seeing the sky in all its glory and just like, yeah, everything is perfect. Then you have these valley experiences. And that's like the opposite. That's when everything is dark. Where nothing makes you happy. Where even the things you like are dissatisfying to you. Where everywhere you look, you cannot see hope or happiness or rejoicing in anything. It's just black and dark and everywhere you look, it's just dark. Those are the kind of valley experiences of life and those are the kind of suffering experiences of life. How can we have, like it's, it's pretty clear how we have hope when we're on top of the mountain, but how do we have hope when we're in the valley? Because that's what Paul's talking about hope in suffering. Well, it's those times when you don't feel like you're loved by God, when you rely upon your mind and you know that you're loved by God. So, you may not feel like God loves you. You may not feel like you're worthy to be in a relationship with God. You may not feel like you're holy enough to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's in those times when you can rely upon what you know and your knowledge and you can say to yourself, it's not about what I do or what I feel, but it's about what God does and how God feels and what God has done for me. And that's when this doctrine of justification by faith is really important for hope in those valley experiences of life. You see, those are the, t- those are the times when, like, You know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you know, God doesn't love me. I don't know where God is. I always do these things that are wrong. You know, I'm not worthy to be in this relationship with God. But that's when we can say to ourselves, hey, I may not feel that God loves me, but I know that God loves me with my mind. I know because of what Jesus has done for us it's got nothing to do with what i do but what jesus has done you see i may not know that you know i may not feel it but i know in my mind that jesus that god loves me and it's got nothing to do with what i do or how i feel but what god has done for me so that's our first take home point you might you might be a person who even today is having like one of these valley experiences in your life. You may be feeling like, I don't know if God loves me, I'm not holy enough, I'm not worthy. How can I possibly have this relationship with God? Well, I just want to remind you today that it's got nothing to do with what you do. It's got nothing to do with how you feel but it's got everything to do with what God does and how God feels. And you can know that God loves you, even if you can't feel God's love because God has demonstrated his love for you through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And you can't do anything to earn your salvation, or to earn your relationship with God. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if you think that you're unworthy because it's what Jesus has done for you. So that's, that's our first take-home point. We can have hope in suffering because when we suffer, we can remind ourselves it's got nothing to do with how we feel or what we've done and everything to do with how God feels about us and what He has done for us. So that's our first point. The the second point we see is peace and rejoicing in God's love. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, for a good man someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us while we were still sinners Christ died for us one of the Bible commentators that I read says had this really interesting point he said some people think that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that God could love people, yeah? Jesus Christ died on the cross so that God could deal with our sins and then he could love us, yeah? But that's not what we read here. God loved us while we were still sinners. When we were still far away, God loved us. Yeah? Isn't that amazing? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad the things you have done are. God still loves you. Who would you die for? Anyone? Like oh maybe my parents maybe maybe my wife my wife probably my wife kids yeah what if what if they weren't very good what if you what if you know you had a family member or a friend who was just you know one of those walking disasters you know just keeps doing the wrong thing over and over and over again would you die for them? Oh, what about a really bad person, like someone who's done really bad stuff? Would you, would you die for them? Probably not, no? Oh, I don't think I would. And that, that's the point that Paul is making. God died for us even when we did really, really, really bad stuff. That's how much God loves us. you get your head around that how deep and unfathomable is God's love for us that he would die for us even when we were dead in our wrongdoing can we play the clip from uh, Stephen Longu just want to show you this imagine that He was on his way with his gang to blow up a bank they saw a gospel tent they decided to go and blow that up instead and shoot the people and that's where he heard the gospel of our lord jesus christ and came to a place of repentance you see God loves people like Stephen Longmu. You know, people who are so angry at the world that all they want to do is violence and destruction. That's how much God loves us. God loves us even when we are just, just completely and utterly angry and distant from him. He still loves us. And it was when we were in that state that he died for us on the cross. So what can we take away from that? Well, there's a couple of things that we can take away. I think the first thing that we can take away is that we shouldn't judge people, should we? It's easy for us to kind of look at Stephen Longu and say, well, that was really bad and, well, it is really bad, but God, God loved even him. And so we we should be slow to judge people. When we see people who are outside of the church, who may be acting in ways which seem really antagonistic, you know, we should be slow to judge because we know that God loves them And we don't know what God is going to do for them in their life. We don't know what plans God has for them, whether they're going to be like Stephen Longu. Sometimes when we see other people within the church, you know, and we think to ourselves, where is this person coming from? Like, you know, we should be slow to judge because we don't know what God is doing in their life. We don't know what God wants to do with them. We don't know how God plans to change them or what He wants to do with them. So I think that's... So when we consider how God loved us even when we were still sinners, that should be an encouragement for us just to be slow to judge others. I think the, the other point that we can draw out for that is, especially for people who don't believe in God. So there might be people here today who you don't believe in God or you kind of do believe in God but you're not sure or you're not sure what you think about Jesus. Maybe one of the stumbling blocks is that like in your mind you think that the church is for old people like what Stephen Long said Or you think the church is for people who are like, you know, goody goodies or something like that. The church is for people like Stephen Longu. The church is for everyone. The church, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what you've done in your life. God's family is for you because God loves you. And so if you're a person who you're not sure about whether you believe in God or not, know that God opens His arms to everyone and welcomes all people into a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. Our third and final point that we get from this passage that Paul, the Apostle Paul sort of describes is the peace and rejoicing that we have being saved from God's wrath. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, in that final bit, Paul draws a a sort of a distinction. He draws a distinction between Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. And what he says, what he's basically saying is that, look, if Jesus, through his death on the cross... Took the punishment of our wrongdoing, how many more blessings will we receive through his resurrection? Because his resurrection is more powerful than his death. That's the basic point he's making. So if all this good stuff came from Jesus' death on the cross, how many more good stuff will come through Jesus' resurrection? Yeah, Let me sort of draw that out for you a little bit more. So like, if through Jesus' death we have been saved from facing the consequences of, God, of, of our wrongdoing, through Jesus' resurrection, where he defeated the power of sin and death, we are invited to live these new lives, born again, as we sung in that song before, lives that have been rejuvenated, lives that are, you know, back from the dead. Let me draw that out for you in, in, in a little analogy. Imagine in your mind a tree, a fruit tree, yeah? Imagine a fruit tree in an orchard, okay? And this fruit tree has, um, has a disease, and the disease causes this fruit tree to dry up. And so over time, this fruit tree starts to wither and dry up because of its disease. And then one day, there's a really hot day with a hot dry wind. And the fruit tree, because it's so dry and the hot weather, it ignites. And, it, and it's, you know, on fire. And so the farmer of the orchard comes out... And he throws water on the fruit tree, and and it stops burning. But then what's left is this kind of charred fruit tree. So what the farmer then does is he sort of prunes it a bit, but then he adds more water to it. And the water, this extra water that he adds, it brings new life to this fruit tree. And this fruit tree is no longer, you know, sick with this disease, but it's a new fruit tree, it's it's come back to life and it's bearing lots of fruit. So this is an analogy for Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection and how that affects us. You see, we're like the fruit tree, and our sinful nature is like the disease. And this causes us to dry up and incur God's wrath which is like the fruit tree going on fire. But then Jesus is like the water, the living water. And when you throw the water onto the burning tree, the fire extinguishes. But then you keep throwing water at the tree, and over time, the water seeps into the roots and it creates a new tree, a the tree comes back to life. And when you threw water on the tree the first time, the water evaporates, it turns into steam, it disappears, that's like Jesus dying. But then you keep throwing the water at the tree and it seeps into the soup, into the roots and into the tree and it comes back to life. That's like Jesus, you know, us, um, that's like us participating in Jesus' resurrected life. And with him, being born again and being brought back from the dead to live fruitful lives, lives that are pleasing to God. So what can we take away from this? Well, especially to those of us here today who know and love and serve the Lord Jesus, this is an encouragement for us. You know, We know that we have been saved from God's wrath through Jesus' death. And this gives us great rejoicing. But we also know that since we've been saved from the wrath of God, we are now to live new lives, born-again lives, lives that are rejuvenated, lives that are back from the dead. And this is an encouragement us, for us to, to keep living out these, re, these resurrection lives and to keep rejoicing in the work that Christ has done for us through his death and resurrection. So that's, that's basically what we learn from this passage. We might summarise those three points again. So through Jesus' death on the cross, through being justified and reconciled with God because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, we can have great rejoicing. We can have rejoicing uh, through the hope that we have in suffering because we know that it's got nothing to do with us or what we do but everything to do with what God has done for us. We can have peace and rejoicing in God's love because we know how much God loves us because he was willing, he was willing to die for us even when we were still sinners. And we can also have peace and rejoiced, rejoicing knowing that we have been saved from God's wrath and have this invitation to live new, resurrected, born-again lives.